hello there, welcome back, and welcome new listeners of the podcast. Um, today I'm going to be tackling perhaps one of my most controversial topics, I suppose, but I think it is a topic that needs addressing. Um, you often hear a lot spoken about in the media, on uh, social media especially, which is just nonsense on this topic, quite frankly, but, um, and obviously anything I say is not nonsense, it is the gospel, it is perfect truth, I do not make errors, um, and I also apologise if my voice sounds a little bit nasally, uh, I am in recovery from a horrible cold, you know, I came face to face with death, obviously, you know, you know, coughing and spluttering, but alas, I am recovering somewhat, and, um, not quite fully recovered, um, you know, you might be able to hear that in my voice, you know, it probably sounds a little bit nasally, but I wanted to just record this now, because I'm impatient, and can't be bothered to wait until I make a full recovery, but, um, here we go. So, to participate in the cosy safety of society. One must always expect to relinquish certain rights and freedoms, you know. I cannot raid my local McDonald's ice cream machine, I cannot kick a baby, set off fireworks inside a cinema without prompting some kind of slap on the wrist from the authorities. And, you know, I think we are indeed more civilised that this is so. However, were I to pick and ingest some, you know, some shrooms, from a local meadow, or even worse, give some to a friend, I would be committing a grave and heinous moral act according to the infinite wisdom of my government. I can walk to a local Tesco, buy enough vodka to send an elephant into a coma, give some to a friend, I can drink enough to send myself into the void. You know, all these activities, they seem to have the Rishi Sunak seal of approval. But as soon as I dare to even consider things outside the good and legal category of substances, such as alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, paracetamol, as soon as I venture into the dark depths of shrooms, LSD, weed, or MDMA, my society's legal system deems me to be doing something very, very naughty. Now, the point of this podcast episode is to highlight how fucking stupid this is. For some reason, we have decided as a collective of monkeys to treat ourselves as children when it comes to particular things we arbitrarily label as drugs. Now, the whole phrase that you often hear, drugs and alcohol, when you think about it, it's just absurd. Why do we separate alcohol? Why is it in this whole ontological category of its own? Your body does not recognise alcohol molecules as inherently distinct to heroin or cocaine. So why do we? What has been the impetus for categorising certain substances as legal and approved, and others as illegal and bad? Now, delving into the history here, quite frankly, is beyond the purview of this episode, but what I wish to emphasize is 
the arbitrariness of where we place the legal and illegal boundary. Now, people often, in their efforts to rationalise why some things ought to be banned, usually in their efforts to reduce the cognitive dissonance of holding onto ob obviously absurd paternalist views, they will point to the harm reduction benefits, the alleged benefits of banning these things. You know, we're making it safer, we've got to keep it out of the hands of children, we have to ban and restrict access in order to reduce drug use because, you know, reducing drug use is obviously good. Now, this would be fantastic if it actually worked, but since the war on drugs has been persisting since the 60s, and, well, drugs still exist, it would appear that this, this perspective is just obviously naive. And, you know, I also want to emphasize just how profoundly moronic the, the central objective of this thing we call the war on drugs, you know, abolish all drugs. You know, no human society has ever existed and probably will ever exist without any kind of drug consumption. And quite frankly, I would not want to wish to live in such a society. I quite enjoy coffee. You know, I quite enjoy the freedom to consume various things to alter my state of consciousness. You know, why, what are, why are we holding up sobriety as this sort of this sort of nirvana-like state, it's, um, it's quite silly, really. And, um, and often, you know, people who say that reducing these drug use, this drug use is good and it makes our community safer and cosier, you know, they often say, well, reducing alcohol use is probably good as well. But for some reason, we allow alcohol users to have regulated access to their substance. But if you are, say, a meth user, you know, we're going to arrest you and... It's a strange, you know, why, what, what, what underlies our distinction between alcohol and meth, you know, is this distinction really based in scientific evidence, you know, and um, I'm going to, you know, tackle this obviously a bit later on, but uh, I also want to make the point that it astonishes me sometimes, our uh, levels of normalised safety surrounding drugs like alcohol. You know, this is despite it consistently being ranked as one of the most harmful drugs there are. You know, it's often ranked as, you know, in some some places where you read as more harmful to the individual drug user than something like cocaine. You know, this and this this surprises people. But you know, we gotta. But those people who are surprised, they simply haven't looked at the actual science behind what they are ingesting. What is what do these things actually do to your body? Now, I'm not going to demonise alcohol. I use it as well on occasion as part of my pursuit of happiness, if you want to call it that. You know, But what I wish to make explicit is how it compares to other psychoactive compounds and therefore how our legal drug distinction is based not on a scientific grounding, a real rational assessment of the various harms, benefits and properties of these substances, but rather our legal drug distinction is really a political one, a political one that really ought to be dismantled and revealed for what it is as a paternalist and harmful legal construction that has enabled, well, politicians to reduce complex social issues into the simpler and the crude boogeyman of drugs. You know, it's much easier to say that you'll tackle poverty and crime by you know, preaching 
that one will be hard on drugs, you know. And this, of course, obfuscates the fact that often drug addiction is symptomatic of rather than causal when it comes to social issues. You know, we should not overlook the empirical fact that the overwhelming majority of people who use drugs are not addicted. You know, this is really a trivial claim to make, but it astonishes me sometimes how counterintuitive it often hears to people. And um, I don't blame people for feeling surprised. You know, decades of drug messaging and propaganda from schools, governments and police have repeatedly drilled in this pernicious myth that all drug users are engaging in self-destructive and addictive behaviour. Now, we would not be silly enough to claim that everyone who drinks coffee or beer is in the grips of a harmful addiction, but for we, for some reason, engage in this mental gymnastics when we visualise the cocaine, the weed or heroin user. You know, these mental gymnastics are basically ba based on brainwashing rather than coherent reasoning. And, you know, I, I would highly encourage you listeners, as I have done myself, to really critically assess your own biases and intuitions when it comes to particular drugs. You know, often our idea of drugs are shaped by what we perceive in the media. And unless you're actively seeking out scientific information, your entire epistemology is going to be modelled on what you have seen on the news and TV shows and movies, etc. And, well, unfortunately, most of the representation of drug use in media emphasises the sensational, as in Wolf of Wall Street or train spotting, to use some examples. They emphasise the exciting, the dangerous, the entertaining properties because, well, this makes for great TV. And as a result, they tend to fixate on the, the harmful, the dangerous elements of these things, which reinforces a certain stereotype notion of drugs and drug users. You know, the lazy pothead, the geeked out coke user, the heroin junkie. And, well, because all these myths and archetypes already exist in the public imagination, writers and media who themselves are, well, probably clinging on to such, some of these views, they essentially reinforce these misconceptions when they represent drugs in a particular manner. You know, think about it. When haven't you seen a weed user represented, represented as some impulsive and lazy hippie, a heroin user as a low-life addicted junkie, a meth head as someone who is permanently tweaked out, constantly in search of their next high? You know, these stereotypes that are shown in media, they form the foundation from which most people derive their views on drug users. And the question that I wish to pose is to what extent are these stereotypes really accurate? Or could they perhaps be severely misleading us from the reality of drugs and drug use? Now, if my tone is anything to go on, I'm sure you'll not be surprised to hear me say that these media fictions paint an extremely inaccurate and harmful picture. A picture that has justified a, well, let's face it, a reprehensible restriction on our freedom to act as adults to regulate our own conscious experience. You know, unfortunately, many have participated in this collective delusion, essentially, allowing reasonable adults to be treated effectively as children who must be protected from harming themselves. You know, but going bungee jumping, uh, you know, drinking a litre of vodka, driving a car, these risky activities, for whatever reason, they're fine. You know, 
I'm not going to lie, drugs are certainly not without their risk, and some are certainly riskier than others. But notice how our entire conversation regarding drugs are so heavily skewed towards the harms, the risk profiles. Indeed, the very phrase, harm reduction, which is often used by pro-drug advocates, implicitly primes one to consider the negative effects of substances. You know, I'm personally not a fan of this phrase, and, well, I'd rather to simply discuss sensible and responsible use. You know, we don't talk about me restricting my chocolate consumption or limiting how much coffee to dr I drink as harm reduction, although, you know, you could say that this is what it is. So why do we apply this phrase to other things, you know? In reality, there are just more and less sensible modes of consuming substances. You know, harm reduction, it reduce, it reinforces reinforces this, this myth that drug users are engaging in some kind of self-destructive behaviour. And, like I said before, this view contradicts the fact that the overwhelming majority of drug users are not addicts. Take heroin, for example, you know, a drug often socially maligned as the most toxic and addictive substance there is. You know, one would be surprised to hear that most people who use heroin are not addicted. You know, they don't meet the criteria for addiction. Rather, they are just regular folk like you and me who have jobs and they meet their various responsibilities. Now, I don't want to, I don't wish to present an overly rosy picture of any substance, but I think we should base any honest conversation in the empirical data that we have. Otherwise, we're just forming arguments based on prejudices. Now, estimates vary, but often 10 to 30% of heroin users meet the criteria for addiction which shows that most people who use this substance use it without any problems. You know, and if most people who use drugs don't get addicted, as the data shows, especially for, you know, addiction, um, for heroin, which is, you know, like I said, the, uh, you know, the, what people often point to as the most harmful one there is, the, you know, the, the scariest one. It's, uh, at least that's how it's been presented in media, you know. The fact that most people who use drugs don't get addicted, it would seem to suggest that addiction itself could be related to factors beyond the drug, you know, feelings of social isolation, of poverty, etc. You know, and, you know, if drugs genuinely did cause addiction, you know, we would expect a much higher rate of addiction, wouldn't we? You know, it's just, it's obvious, you know. And, uh, you know, this reasoning, it doesn't come intuitively to those who are, well, steeped within a web of drug myths and misconceptions. You know, of course heroin causes heroin addiction. You know, the physiological hooks grip onto you immediately, and from that moment you're just a junkie chasing the dragon. You know, if at this point in the episode you're still clinging on to such views, you know, I would, I would point you to, well, read other people, you know, people like Carl Hart to David Nutt, they're experts in the field of addiction and psychology, and they could probably convince you better, and of course with more credentials behind their views as opposed to myself, some 20 year old uni student who knows absolutely fuck all. Now, I, I want to keep my conversation steeped within science and empirical data, so I'm going to quote this, this paper you know, which I'll link in the description, in order to discuss what, generally speaking, has been discovered or understood 
in the literature, the academic literature, about drug use. And I'm going to start quoting now. In reality, the majority of drug use is episodic, transient, and generally non-problematic. You know, the majority of people who have used various drugs in their lifetime have not done so in the past year. Only a minority become problem drug users. And this paper continues. There is a need to move away from the narrative of the problem drug user, which is in many ways still prevalent in informing policy making. Incorrect perceptions of drugs and people who use drugs should be countered by providing evidence-based, transparent and easily accessible information. This is essential to changing public attitudes towards and removing stigma of people who use drugs. End quote. And, you know, you could frame me broadcasting my views here as undoubtedly a risk, since many of the drugs discussed are still criminalised where I live. But it's a risk that I'm willing to take because I think that such a strong moral argument can be made for it. You know, I myself am an adult who uses psychoactive compounds as part of my pursuit of happiness. And to be frank, I'm a better person for my drug use. You know, they have not transformed me into some hedonist, rather they have facilitated deep moments of connectedness with myself and others. We shouldn't view drugs with rose-tinted glasses, but we should instead view them for what they are, essentially portals to altered states of mind. There is nothing inherently immoral about these altered states. They just are. And any society that should limit my freedom to access these altered states, I think should be actively resisted. And history has shown us many examples of legally ratified infringements on human rights, from the infamous laws against homosexuality to the restriction of voting rights from women. I think reason demands that we should add drug laws to this category as a certain example of the state's overreach, not merely into my private sexual behaviour or my ability to vote, but into my very consciousness. My consciousness is my consciousness. It is not Rishi Sunak's. My experience is essentially me. It is the raw expression of my being. It is that which I have been and will always be acquainted with for as long as I live. And the fact that I and many others have been born into a particular social arrangement which attempts to stifle and conceal my ability to access these states of experience, I think is a depressing reminder of how little freedom one really has in such a society. Why shackle experience to the subset, the category of things we call legal drugs, especially when they are often the most physiologically harmful, as in alcohol and tobacco? And they are also often the most boring drugs when compared to what's out there. There are simply no rational basis for this absurdity. Drugs are just compounds that change one's grip on things. The difference between legal and illegal is an arbitrary social distinction, often steeped in racist political opportunism. Um, I would invite you to read the history on, you know, why cannabis was criminalised in America especially, but uh, if going into that would be it's too much here. You know, these facts are explicit and they are really for everyone to see. 
you know, unfortunately, the ball is rolling in academia and medicine where the moronic legal restrictions on investigating these compounds scientifically are finally, finally being lifted. You know, we are witnessing what's been called a bit of a, you know, a, a drug renaissance with lots of clinical trials being conducted on various psychedelics and other compounds. This, you know, this is a long time coming, but it is also indicative of a profound moral failure that research was restricted for so long. You know, we have just performed a really unnecessary intellectual castration, you know, essentially. But regardless, you know, it is exciting times to be a drug researcher. But import more importantly, I think this trend should extend to drug users as well. And I also think we should recognise that we are all drug users of varying frequencies, whether your particular drug of choice is coffee, sugar, weed or alcohol. Likewise, we shouldn't ignore people who engage in highly dopaminergic activities, such as scrolling TikTok, playing video games and gambling. These are also drugs. You know, you shouldn't feel a sense of moral superiority if you get your dopamine hit from these activities as opposed to actual physical compounds. The differences are minimal. And if you care to look honestly, as I said, you know, we are all addicts of some sort. It is simply, well, the manner in which our mammalian learning machinery is set up. Whilst you may not have had the experience of a four-day heroin binge, you know, you can probably relate to the analogous experience of a four-hour Netflix binge. You know, we are all, we can all relate to failures of self-control, the frustration of our ability to self-regulate. You know, these are natural, ordinary human feelings, which have perhaps been amplified in our modern environment of obscene abundance. We've been thrust from our paleolithic world of scarcity to a Big Mac dystopia. Drugs, food, shopping, gaming, TikTok, news, you know, the potency and the variety of highly rewarding stimuli. It's not just limited to drugs, it's all around you. It's the fundamental ethos of our vapid consumerist culture. More, 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 but never enough. It's in your pocket when you hear that buzz, and then, almost reflexively, you're fumbling around, manically scavenging for your digital dopamine hit. You know, Anna Lembke, who is quite a famous addiction researcher, has this quote about smartphones. She says, the smartphone is the modern-day hypodermic needle, delivering digital dopamine 24-7 for a wide generation. You know, the most potent drugs are often the ones hiding just under your nose, and they're often the ones you're least likely to call drugs. You should not forget this. You know, it is this false sense of security conjured up by the euphemisms we use to describe such activities. We call them entertainment, or just scrolling Instagram, just Netflixing. You know, it is these euphemisms that corrodes our agency. You know, these drugs, they are everywhere, and it is the socially sanctioned kind that you should be most wary of. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, hope you've had it somewhat insightful. If you disagree with everything I said, um, you know, post your criticism. You know, I'm fight criticism of all kind. I am, um, you know, I want to learn. You know, this 
not everything I say obviously is correct, but I think there is some truth here in how, you know, how misled we as a society have been on the, uh, the actual true nature of, well, drugs and psychoactive compounds. But um, I'll leave that at that. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. And uh, adios.